Welcome to this message from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon. City Bible Church is a vibrant community of people with one common desire to experience God, enjoy people, and celebrate life. We're in a series called Go right now. And, uh, you know, we're, we started actually about six, seven, eight weeks ago on a series called Compassion. And it was almost a part A and a part B in a series when we talked about compassion for a few weeks to talk about our heart for other people. We live in a culture that's so easy to get wrapped up in ourselves and it's so easy to just think about our own world, our own family, our own finances. But Jesus called us to be like him and he had compassion on people in every situation he was around all the time. And as we transition into the Go series, it's that heart of compassion that also brings a compelling that we need to go and tell God's story to everyone around us. We need to be those people that would share what God has done in our lives so that we can tell others what He can do in their lives. And our pastor started this whole series two weeks ago, the Go series, with a couple foundational points that I want to make sure, church, that we have in our heart and our spirit, because without these two thoughts, we actually will not go and be who God wants us to be. There was a go fact, if you remember a couple weeks ago, Pastor Frank talked about. He said the go fact is this, that this is the truth that we need to remember, that we were redeemed in part for the purpose of reaching others for Christ. Therefore, we will never be complete in our experience with God until we allow him to use us to go and share the gospel with people. Now, that's a pretty interesting thought. Because I think sometimes we forget or we may think that God saved us just to be in a good luck club with those in the church and inside the four walls. But that isn't the only reason that he redeemed us. He did it that we'd have a relationship, but he also created us to be his emissaries and to touch people around us all in the world as we come in contact with them. Come on, can I hear an amen? Is that your call? Is that my call in life? It's not the evangelist call. It's the call of every person who has Christ in their life to be those who would share the gospel with Jesus. I mean, the gospel of Jesus with others around us. And he laid down a challenge. And I believe that Pastor Frank laid down a challenge. If this is your home church, he laid a challenge to every one of us that we would take to heart, that we would grow at whatever level we're at, that we would go to the next level in that challenge. And this was the challenge that he laid down, that every one of us would live a life beyond ourselves and to always be looking for ways to share Christ with people God's put into our life and onto our path. You know, and the challenge is, is that I think many times we just get distracted by life. We're not always looking, and I think there's more opportunities than we realize to share God's love with other people. And it really is in those two categories that we're going to talk about today, about people in our path, And people in our life. You see, people in our life are those who really we have some sort of contact with more than once. Maybe it's it's family that we see a lot of times, or people at work, or it might be people in you know. For me, even in the grocery store, the the person who pumps your gas, I try to go to several gas stations that I at least get to know a person or two on on an ongoing basis that I can have some sort of dialogue with them to see if there might not be an opening at some point to share God with them. The grocery store clerk, or, or in my case, really, it's I know the people at my Starbucks right here because I do a lot of meetings right over there. Who are the people in our path and in our life? The people in our path are those that maybe we only have a one-time encounter with. And you think about in all your years of life, it may be just that one-time chance encounter, but God uses those also. 
And there's a different type of encounter. You may not have ongoing relationship, but there's still a possibility if we're open to it that God will use those divine encounters to be able to share our faith with other people. And these are the two things we've got to remember as we go into this series today, again, for our third week. Last week, Pastor Mark talked about being a go person. And he shared out of John chapter 8 about the woman who was caught in adultery and the difference between the religious leaders of that day, how they responded and how Jesus responded. And if you remember, he talked about Jesus came with an empty hand to help her up where the Pharisees came with a rock in their hand. And are we a go person or are we a no person? And I know that every one of us have that heart and desire to be a go person. And today, I want to talk about the go message. God's story and what it really is and how can we share that story. I want to bring it very, very personal and, and even very practical today about using that story that God has given us to share with others. Now, I don't know about you. You know, we've, some of us in this room uh, are at different levels. Some of us have been a Christian for many, many years. Some of us maybe have been Christians for a season and some maybe have just crossed that line of faith with Christ. And maybe there's some of you even this morning who are just curious about God and don't even know God yet. And for you today, I want to talk to you a little more at the end of the service. But for those of us that have crossed that line of faith, I really want to put a challenge before us today about practically telling God's story by using our story. I want to talk about two stories today. You see, I think one of the greatest challenges that we face, I've been a believer for many years, and I came to a realization a few years ago that God really spoke to my heart and said, you know, as long as you've been a believer, you've had fruit in your life. You've shared the gospel. You've seen people come to Christ. But there have been many opportunities that you missed and you didn't take advantage of. I don't know what that does for you. And I think many times we even begin to talk about witnessing or evangelism. And I think there can come on us a feeling of guilt or, or fear. I think is even more what happens. I think things come in our minds that say stuff like this. uh, You know, I'm kind of afraid to share with this person because I'm I'm fearful that they might feel I'm trying to put my religion on them. And I think many times we forget that we're trying to do something for people instead of doing something to people. I think that many times we come, at least I do, of what do I see in this situation? How do I bridge the gap from the conversation we're in into wanting to share my faith if appropriate? How do I get from here to there without it being weird or, or seeming very fake or disingenuine? Have you ever had this thought? What happens if they ask me a question about the Bible I can't answer? Come on, anybody there? Anybody ever thought that? What happens if they ask me about some, something that I don't know? Will I actually hinder their progress with God? Or how about this one? I know they're of another religion or faith and I don't really understand their faith. And so I'm not quite sure how to help them understand what I believe and what I see as truth. And I think that many times we all have a desire to share our faith because when every one of us come back to it, God's done something in our life that was dramatic. We went from one place to another place and the only thing we can explain is that we had an encounter with a man named Jesus who transformed our life. And as we take all those worries and fears, today I'm not going to tell you you need to go holler at people on the street. Today I want you just to kind of relax a little bit. And I want to take us through two stories today. I want to talk about God's story and about your story. And how to use your story of your life to really open the gospel to share God's story. Today is very personal. We're not talking about corporate evangelism or doing something as a church maybe here and there. We're talking about having you and I walk through life with people in our path and people in our life. And it all starts with a very simple scripture that you might want to turn to, but most of us, it's on the screen, can probably quote it by heart. 
John 3.16. Because I think it's very important today. I just want to set a foundation. For some of you, this is a refresher. For some of you, you could probably get up here and maybe teach it better than I could. But for some of us, I think we need to go back and make sure we understand what the simple gospel message is today. What is it that we need to declare to those around us? You okay so far? Come on, if you're doing good, turn to your neighbor and say, we're getting ready to hear it. Come on, turn to your other neighbor and say, I know this scripture. All right, now read it out loud with me. Are you ready? For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but would have eternal life. This encapsulates the God story in a very simple verse. You've all seen it. In fact, a lot of our culture, even though they may not be a believer, they may never come to Christ But they know this scripture. Come on, you've seen it at the baseball game, the football game. Some guys always got that sheet, you know, it's a white sheet with blue letters on it, John 3.16. The world knows about it, but the interesting thing is while they may know about it, it hasn't changed their life. They haven't really heard the story necessarily. And in this simple scripture, we see the five parts of God's story. That there is a God, that he loved mankind so much that he sent his son Jesus, that if we would believe and have faith in him, that your eternity would be different. And you know, the God story that I want to make sure we all understand today really is that simple. Sometimes we complicate it. Sometimes we're afraid if we don't say the right word to somebody, maybe they'll miss it and they're not saved. I want to just tell you, I know that God has more grace than that and he'll help us as it's time to share the God story with people around us. But it is that simple, that we have a God that so loved the world that he sent his son, who was God in the flesh, that came to earth, And he died on a cross for our sins. And if we would just simply believe in him, our eternity, our destiny would be different. And as we each stop just for a moment, I want you just to pause for a moment in your own life and remember for a moment the moment that you believed. Where were you at? What was your life like? What was the situations you were in? And what changed when Christ came into your life? You know, the reality is, Sometimes we even preach a false gospel that if you accept Christ, everything will be wonderful and glorious. How many found that not to be true? Come on, we still face trials. We still face tribulations. But there's a difference. There's a God that goes before us. There's a forgiveness of our sins. And there's a place where we can come into a relationship with the true and living God because we've been forgiven of our sins. You know, it's amazing to me. Well, I personally don't understand every other religion. What I do know is that if I understand these five parts... I can begin to identify in any religion, any philosophy, any mindset of man, that they try to come in and distort one or more of those. You think about some of the religions that believe in, that believe in reincarnation. What they're saying is, is that you've got multiple chances in life to try to get right and try to live a good enough life. Come on, the Bible says that man lives once and there's one time that you die There's an accountability. And if the world doesn't understand that, you see, they don't realize they have a need for God. How about those that say there is no God? Well, if there's no God and there's no accountability, then I can live my life any way I want. The danger in that is is when we come to the end of our life and there is a God who we stand before someday that our friends and family will see. We need to help them understand. No, that's not true. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. And you know, Paul understood the challenge. If we're going to tell God's story, there is a real challenge that we face. There's a problem in us telling God's story. And this is the problem, and we see it in Romans chapter 10, verses 2 through 4. 
Paul's talking about the people he's trying to reach. He's trying to reach the Jewish culture in that Roman area. And he says, I know the enthusiasm. And he's talking about his own culture. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected zeal. And here's the key. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Boy, does that sound like our culture today. That people think they understand how they can live a good life or, or their way of getting right to God. And instead, they don't understand God's way. Others refuse to accept God's way and they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law in this case. And Paul goes on to say, but all who believe in him are made right with God. You know, I think we face this challenge. People don't understand that they haven't even have a need for God. Have you ever found that in trying to talk to somebody about the Lord? They don't even necessarily believe. If you don't believe in a God, then why do I need a, why do I need a Savior? If there's no sin in this world and I don't believe that there's a need for that, then why do I even need Jesus to come into my life? But you know, the challenge is we've got to continue to tell God's story. Some may believe, some may not believe, some may choose their own way. But church, I want to challenge us. We cannot let those who would not believe to discourage us from sharing our story and sharing God's story. You and I are the carriers of God's story. And we need to let them know that there is a problem, that mankind has fallen. And we need to share with them what the solution is. Because the Bible very clearly tells us, and again, I'm going back to basic Christianity 101 for just a little bit before I move on to our story. But in Romans chapter 3, here's the solution that we know that God made for every one of us. It says, for everyone has sinned. Now that's the bad news. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you've sinned. And I'm praying for a word of knowledge about what it was. No, just kidding. Come on, the Bible says every one of us have sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. You see, because God's standard is perfect and holy. He is a holy God without any sin. And to be in relationship, we've got to be perfect and righteous in that sense of coming to a place of receiving his forgiveness. He says, yet God with undeserved kindness, not that we deserved it, he declares that we are righteous. I like one of the other words that you use. It's called justified. And I always remember that word. It's just as if I'd never sinned. When God's forgiveness comes. He did this how? Through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. And people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life in shedding his blood. You see, it's kind of a picture like this that always helps me remember. If you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, that is one huge canyon. There's no way that any one person could ever jump from one side to the other. You could never get from one side of the Grand Canyon to another. And yet that's kind of a picture of, of how we are with God in our normal state. You see, Romans 5 tells us just because we were born into mankind, there's a sin nature that we have. Have you ever noticed you didn't have to send your kids to a class on how to lie or how to, how to disobey or be naughty? It's just in people. Because Adam fell, it's in all mankind. And there's that thing when we live in rebellion, the Bible calls that sin when we choose to live a way different than what God has said, it's called sin. And it's as if we're separated by this Grand Canyon from us to God. God's on one side and we're on the other. And I'll tell you what, when you think about your life and mine, there was not one thing we could ever do to be strong enough, good enough to make the leap across that canyon. And it says that the wages of sin are death. And at the bottom of that canyon, if we were to walk across, we would simply fall and die spiritually. But you see, Jesus Christ came. And if you can imagine that cross just 
The arms of that cross bridging from one side of the canyon to the other. That's what Jesus Christ did for you and I. And when we believe that he came as Jesus, the Son of God, he paid the penalty, it said, because sin requires a price. There's a penalty. When you do a crime, you have to pay the price. And it's the same in our life. And Jesus came. And the beautiful thing is, as many of us know, he died on that cross. He took every sin we had, and he died on that cross for our sin. He paid the price we never could. And all we simply have to do is believe and to walk across that cross to have a relationship with God. And that church is simply the God story that we need to share. For God so loved the world. Come on, say it with me. He gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that really is the God story that we need to share. And this morning, I just wanted to make sure before we go any further that we understand what the story is. But you know, we also have to understand how people need to receive salvation. And we go back to Romans 10, and it's simply a scripture. You might mark this in your Bible to make sure that you know how to lead your friends and family, those in your path and those in your life, how to receive salvation. Here's what it says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. And as the scripture tells us, and I want to say thank you, God, for this next word, anyone. Say it with me. Anyone. Come on, one more time. Anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. You see, there's no one on planet earth that is beyond the reach of God's story. Everyone is available to receive salvation. And it's simply that. Well, we have to help people understand God's story and how to receive God's story. Isn't it amazing that it's not just a believing in your heart. You can't just mentally assent into salvation. There's a place where there's a confession, an outward expression, and a declaration of what you believe in your heart and spirit. And so we believe God's story. We know the problem that we've got to explain it. We know that we have to come around and help people know how to receive it. But there's a challenge, all of that. That is all the work that God did, all the work that Christ did. Not You and I do not have any part in the work that Christ did up to this point. But as we go to the next verse in Romans chapter 10, here's where we come in. Let's go to the next scripture. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Because faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. And you see, there's our part in telling God's story. And if we were to flip this verse around, Paul did it backwards. But simply, if we go back and look at it from the, the end of that scripture, here's our part. We need to be the ones who will go to be able to tell the message so that they can hear, so that they will believe and they would be saved. The challenge is, that most of the time, God uses people just like you and I to share God's story. Now, it's not always. Remember the story about how Paul got saved in the book of Acts? Remember how he came to faith? Paul, if you don't know the story, his name was Saul at that time. And he's riding down to go to Damascus to put a bunch of believers in prison. And he's riding down a, a road. And the Bible says that a bright light came that blinded him. And a voice from heaven shouted out, Paul or Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul calls out and says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus who you've been persecuting. 
And through a series of the next day or so, Paul comes to a place to believe in Jesus Christ and the work he did. Now, it's interesting to me that there are people that come to Christ without anybody ever sharing, where maybe they have a divine, supernatural encounter with God himself. It may be that God just speaks to them and they begin a journey on themselves. And I'm curious here in all three campuses, because it's amazing to me how many times God does it that way. Is there anybody here that would say, you know what? Nobody ever shared the gospel with me, but I had that kind of an encounter. Can I see your hand? All campuses. There's a few. There's a few that are just like that. But the challenge is, let me ask this question. How many here today, as you came to faith, somebody shared the gospel with you, went on a journey with you, helped you understand God's story? Can I see your hands? You see, the challenge is, is that while God may do something in the supernatural to lead somebody, the majority of the time, it's our part to tell the story. And if we don't tell the story, God can use other people and he'll do it other ways. But church, I want to challenge us. That's why the challenge to everyone who's here. It's our job. It's our privilege to tell God's story. Now, you remember when I started this, I talked about some of the challenges I think we face in our, in our minds about what if I don't know what to say or what if they ask me questions about other religions or what if they ask me, you know, what is the book of Revelation and when is Jesus coming back? How many know that, by the way? Okay, we're safe. It says no man knows the time, not even, you know, just checking. But you know, there's one thing that I have found that really helps come across, take all of those worries away. And it's this, that God gave you a story to tell. You know, I look at the book of John and in the chapter nine, it's one of the more unusual miracles because the, the writer of John takes an entire chapter to talk about a miracle and its effects. And the story is basically this, that there is a man who is blind from birth. We don't know his name. We'll call him maybe Bill for today. Bill lived in Judea and he was blind, says that he was blind and everybody around knew that he was blind. And Jesus comes along one day and Jesus sees him and he does one of those funny Jesus miracles we don't often see in church where he spits in some dirt, makes some mud, wipes it on his eyes and tells him to go and bathe in another pool. Now, I don't see that a lot in church, but it, you know, Jesus was Jesus and he did a lot of things that way. And miraculously, the man is healed. It's interesting because he doesn't see Jesus. He's blind. When he's healed, he doesn't know who Jesus is by face or by sight. But it says that everybody in his city knew this man because he'd been blind for many years. He was an adult. But they couldn't reconcile that this is the same guy. It looks like Bill, and it seems like Bill, and it talks like Bill, but Bill was blind. And I've never seen anybody healed from blindness before. And the other part I need to tell you about this is Jesus was... He always liked to mess with the religious leaders of the day. And he healed him on the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was Saturday. And on their, in their religious laws and customs, no work was supposed to be done on the Sabbath. But you see, the Pharisees had it backwards. They always believed that mankind was made for the Sabbath, where Jesus says, no, the Sabbath was made for mankind. And good deeds should be done on a Saturday. And so I'm going to heal this. And if you read a lot of the miracles, Jesus is always healed on the Sabbath just to drive the Pharisees nuts. And it happens one more time. So much so that the people pull Bill in front of the Pharisees. And you know, they come at him and I think they're asking him a lot of questions just like we face when we're trying to share our story. They came at him with religious intimidation. They asked him his doctrine. Who is he? Is he a prophet? Is he this? He says, Come on, how did he do this for you? What happened? And he goes through this story and they, they have this counter. They even bring in his parents. They said, tell us he wasn't blind. No, he was blind from birth. They keep looking for a reason to discredit Jesus 
And to say it couldn't have happened, but here is the miracle right in front of him. And I love what Bill says. He finally gets to a place and he says, I don't know about all this. This is what I know. I was blind. He came into my world and I can see. Come on, it wasn't religious jargon that did it. It wasn't ideology. It wasn't intellectualism. It wasn't any of those things. He simply said, let me tell you my story. And my story is simply this. I was blind. I met Jesus. And now I can see. And if you go on to read the rest of that chapter, he does go back and he now, Jesus finds him and he sees him and he says, I believe. And if you go into the next chapter, it says that many, came, many people came to faith because they saw the miracle Jesus did. And you know, it's so simple. I think what overcomes intellectual disagreements, I think what overcomes our lack of understanding every religion, I think what overcomes the pressure and the feeling that we have that we're trying to impose something on other people is simply to tell our story of what Jesus did before and after we encountered him. And there's a place that using our story opens the door to sharing God's story. And you know, I want to get real practical for just a moment. I don't know how you are, but I sometimes need in a sermon to tell me how to get practical about sharing my story. And there's just a couple things that I want to leave you with, seven quick things that I want to leave you with about using your story to tell God's story that really has helped me. I decided a couple years ago after God spoke to me that I need to make some changes in my life. And even in the last year, I've been together with a group of people that we decided we were going to get very real about this. And some of this I've learned from a pastor named Bill Hybels and some from Pastor Mark Essies and even our own, our own Pastor Frank. But let me give you just seven quick things I want to leave you with. And I want to give you homework today, okay? I know the kids are out of school, so they don't have any homework, so they got time to do this. And for you parents that haven't had any homework, kids, you remind your parents they have homework this week. Because I want to give you homework this week that you would go home and just think through your story. Here's what I want to tell you to do. Number one, what is your before and after? What is your before and after? It could be all summed up maybe in one word. I know what mine is. Mine's freedom. If I could define my before and after with Christ, it's that word freedom. What's your one word that maybe would define that before and after? But I think it needs to be broader than just one word. If somebody were to know you your entire life and they knew you before you knew Christ and knew you after you knew Christ, what would they say they would see is the before and after in your life? Because people, church, this is the power of the gospel in our lives. It may not be for the person on my right or on my left, but this is God's story and how it affected me in my life. What's your before and after? Number two, I want to encourage you to write it down. I found that writing down my story did a couple things for me. One, I go back and every time I look at it, it reminds me of the faithfulness of God in my life and that I want to share that faithfulness with other people. But it also forced me to do a couple other things as we go to the next points. Number three, I think we need to keep it short. You know, I found in my life that sometimes, especially with people in my path, not necessarily in my life, when you're on a journey with someone in your life, you have many different opportunities, but especially with somebody on my path, sometimes all you get is a 30-second window to see if there's an opening to share God's story. And I think it helps you get your story down in a precise point that you can think it through and be ready at any time. You need to keep it short. I also found that sometimes as Christians, we can get long-winded or fuzzy. And uh, <laughs> anybody else like that? 
Come on. We need to keep it short. So we're just ready to be able to share it. Number, number four, I think we need to keep it simple. Keep it to that one thought of what is my before and after. Number five is, here's a big one for a lot of us. Don't be religious. And you might add superior after that too. Can I just share something? I've been a Christian a long time and going into point number six, I'm going to tie this in, is let somebody else read it or let somebody else give you feedback on it. You know what I discovered? The longer you've been a Christian, the more religious we tend to be in our verbiage sometimes. You know, if you think about it for a moment, in our culture, less and less people have any context of church or God or faith of any sort. Can you imagine what would happen if I was coming up to Garrick and I just wanted to, I, I just, I sense there's an opportunity to just share my story in order to share God's story. But can you imagine if I said to him, you know, bro, you need to be washed in the blood. If he had kids, I think he'd grab them and run from me. It sounds pretty freaky. Now, do we believe in the blood of Jesus? Absolutely. Do we talk about it when we come to communion? Absolutely. But we can get religious at times. And, and I got to laugh because the group I'm in, we had some of us who'd been saved a long time, some of us who hadn't, and we got to laughing. I had to rewrite mine, I think, about seven times. And I don't think of myself as a very religious person, but I found another thing. When we get nervous, we tend to fall back on religious words when we share our faith. And writing it down and having somebody else look at it will really help you. Probably not maybe the best to use words unless the Holy Spirit directs you. Be open to His leading, but I'd keep words out like born again necessarily up front. Come on, it took Jesus Himself a whole half chapter to explain it to Nicodemus. You may not have that kind of time to begin with. We want to stay away from being religious in our communication. We need to explain the gospel as we have opportunity as we move forward. And also don't be superior. I'm careful in our stories to make sure we don't sound like our life is perfect and we are above them. Come on, we are just fallen people that have been forgiven on our way to heaven. To have someone else read it. And last is you got to get it in your heart. The reason I'm having you write it down is to do the exercise. But the purpose is not when you go to share your faith, you pull out a gold three-by-five index card and you read your story to them. Yes, I was once. Come on. Don't use words like lost. I was once lost and now I'm found. They probably don't know amazing grace. Come on. But it's that it gets in your heart and it gets in your spirit that at that moment you have an opportunity. It's not weird to tell your story. You see, I know my story pretty simple. And sometimes... I tear up just thinking about the goodness of God. You see, I said my word was freedom. And if I were to tell you my story, if you were, an uns- if you were a person that God put in my path, this is what I'd tell you. You know, I was a person that was very insecure. And I compared myself to people all around me. And it caused me to do goofy things. And I had things in my life that I let in that were addictions for me that I couldn't get rid of. And when I let Christ into every area of my life, I suddenly discovered that I could find out who God said I was and not who others said I was. And there came a freedom in my life to be that. And I also found that he gave me the strength and grace to overcome those habits in my life. And I don't live a perfect life by any means, but I live a life that I'm finding is more and more marked by freedom. And maybe... Maybe what you're facing right now, God, I know, wants to come and touch you in your life 
right now. It might be fear in that person's life. It might be, but you see, that same God who touched my life can touch your life. And I know that he'd want you to know his story. You see, church, it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be funny. But I'll tell you what it does take. It takes a boldness to just share your story. And I think there's a place if we'll be ready. God says those who are diligent and faithful what he gives us, he'll use it. And I believe that if every person in City Bible Church, if all 6,000 of us would use our opportunity to tell our story even once a week, 52 times a year, can you imagine how that would impact our city week after week? Because, you know, we'll never win our city by some great evangelistic event usually. It comes one person touching one person at a time. And you have a story that is so powerful that you need to tell. And there's one last thing I want to just help you remember in telling your story and God's story. And that is we need to remember timing. You know, I think so many times we feel that to share God's love, we have to tell, have them pray the sinner's prayer that moment or it's not really sharing God's love. And I want to relieve anybody here from that kind of fear today. Do you know actually sometimes you can do more damage than good if you do it the wrong way? You see, people are on a journey. It's not an event. It's not where they just do one thing. The average person will come in contact with the gospel seven to ten times before they ever make a decision for Christ. And what that means is our job isn't to get them to pray the sinner's prayer. We're not after just a declaration of a moment. We want to help them come to a place of true faith. And I've often looked at it this way. If, if this is where a person is, and yet crossing that line of faith in Christ is 10 steps away. You know what your job and my job is? Being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Being ready to tell our story and God's story at any time. Our job is to simply help them take one step closer to knowing God. And what that means is we need to be sensitive in how to do that. It may be buying them a book that explains something they're having a problem with with God. I find that today there's so many people that try to intellectualize God. And there's some great writers out there, a C.S. Lewis, or a, that you can get a resource in their hand that maybe you can't explain, but you can put a resource in their hand. It might be bringing them to a service when you know that they're dealing with loss in their family. And we're going to do a series on believing God for the miraculous. You know, one of the greatest ones I found in being just a resource provider in helping people take one closer step is prayer. Man, I have found that people are so open to you praying for them. I could tell you story after story of people I thought were so close to the gospel and were actually angry that I would even think that God could do something in their life. But when it comes to say, could I pray for you? Suddenly their heart melts. Prayer is one of the great open doors just to say, and maybe that's all you do to get them one step closer. But church, we've got to remember it's a journey. It's not just an event. Paul even said it this way. He said, Apollos watered, I planted, but God harvested. And the problem is if you plant a seed today and go out and pull it up out of that garden tomorrow, what comes out of it? Nothing. You've got to understand the timing and the season with who you're talking with and who you're sharing with. It may not be appropriate to do the sinner's prayer. But at last, the other side of that coin is when it's time, we need to be bold and be willing to just share God's story. And the simple part of there is a God that so loved the world, he loved you that he sent Jesus to die for you, that if you would have faith, you would live in relationship with him throughout all eternity. And you know, church, it really is that simple. You know, I think about being bold.
And there's a scripture in Romans chapter 1, verse 6, that I go back and remember every time. And I want this to be our, the Holy Spirit impartation as we close this up today. And it's this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And you know what keeps me from sometimes feeling ashamed? Because our culture will want you to make you feel ashamed for believing in God. I go back and I think about my story. And it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. There's not one thing you and I can do in the supernatural to lead somebody to Christ. It's a working of the Holy Spirit who touches somebody's heart. But we have a part to play. And I want to ask you today, would you be willing to know your story? That you would open a door to share God's story every time he puts somebody in your path. Every time he puts somebody in your life. The challenge is, he'll use us every time. Are we willing to be used?